What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode two of In the Weeds. Me, Sergio, and Alan are excited to have Gina Aguilar, a.k.a. Gina, the Latina, a.k.a. the undisputed queen of San Diego, (laughs) in the studio with us today and on the show. Um, Those tuning in who know her story, she's got a long one, and we are here to... uh, to take you back through her in the weeds moments and um, get to know the story and lifeline and struggle and uh, history of her career and personal life. So, Gina, thanks for coming on. We can't. We uh, we're all pretty excited. Thanks for calling me Queen. <laughs> Do you know queen. my re- my real name is Regina, and that it, it really means Queen. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, but I'm not saying I'm a Queen. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> saying just just say by whoever State came facts. up the meanies for names. It really does mean that. <laughs> so I thought of that last night. Has yeah. anybody ever called you the Queen of San Diego? San Diego? It's I don't know. you're right there. I mean, who else is in the running? I don't know. I don't. I don't view it like that. But I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> and for the rest of the the show, I'm gonna call you Regina too, because I like that. It's got Regina? a better ring to it too. No, it's Gina. 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 No one calls <laughs> okay, me. Enough. Only my school teachers call me Regina. Growing up. Okay. Fair thing. enough. <laughs> fair enough. And when I'm in trouble with boyfriends. Oh, okay. That are non-existent right now. All right, so we won't touch Regina. <laughs> uh, no, so we actually we had a, a, a chance, me, Sergio, and Alan, to talk to some some close friends and and past boss uh, of yours to kind of get to the roots of wh- how, what you did to get to where you are today. Because I think right now a lot of people are seeing all your success and fame and everything you're doing. And and the purpose of our show is to say, hey, you know, this didn't just come overnight. Of course. Um, and we want to go back however far back we have to go. Um, and I know you have a, a really, really cool story that um, we've all been kind of filled in on. And, and for us, we wanted to go back before radio, before you got into entertainment, uh, on the air, all that back in L.A. Like, take us back there. But like what what I guess got even radio on your radar or what made you interested in entertainment? Because I know you were. And I don't know a lot of people know this. I found out you were an athlete. Yes. And you actually went on a, on a scholarship for softball. Yes, I did. To Loyola Marymount. Yes, I which did. Which is a huge little fun fact just hidden yeah. out there. Um, <laughs> so I guess how do you go? And, and, and also, too, you were into like music or piano or something yeah. like that growing up. So I told you that. It doesn't funny. matter. I have my, my sources. <laughs> you know, the undisputed king of San Diego oh, has his God. sources oh, that he can, oh, that he can <laughs> get to the bottom of. So the purpose here is to uncover all of those but I guess uh growing up like take us back to you know LA and I know it wasn't uh you you didn't grow up in the best 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 neighborhoods and uh, I guess take us back there and what got you to uh, even like have radio on your radar um well I I start with my parents because I think that's where it starts uh they my mom grew up in the projects and um by the time they had me and my dad grew up in Pacoima which is in LA and I, I know you guys are not from there but it's not Sergio is. I'm from you there. know where Pacoima is? I don't know where that okay. is. <laughs> <laughs> That's the wrong person to ask right there. Where are you from? Uh, from West Covina. Oh, okay. So, so it's a sa- other kind of the other valley, not the San Gabriel Valley, San okay. Fernando Valley. Um, but anyways, my parents and family grew up there. By the time I was born, we moved in San. We uh, born, we moved to San Fernando, which you know, like I always say, my parents. I owe everything to them because they really literally grew up in the streets and were able to provide for us a better life. With that said, I feel like with any every generation, you can only do so much, right? And um, so the area wasn't, I mean, it was home. It's funny because I didn't even realize it till I didn't live there anymore because it's just home to me. But, mm-hmm. you know, most... Um, I mean, all, I have so many friends that got pregnant by like 15, 16. There's a lot of gangs. Um, but it's home, too, at the same time. So... 
I guess if that's what you're asking, that's a kind of environment. Um, but I played softball and I always credit softball for taking me out of the environment or for what kept me on the right path because um, my mom was really good at softball and my dad was really good at baseball. So I inherited those genes and I was been traveling since I was like seven or eight years old. Mm. Um, when I was 10 years old, we came in fifth in the nation. So I was always on these really, really good tra- competitive travel softball teams, which kind of exposed me to a whole different world. Cause a lot of sure. people, when you grow up in the hood, you, and I'm going to call it the hood cause I, I'm from there, so I can say that. Um, <laughs> uh, you sometimes get caught up in just that little area, you know, mm-hmm. and you never move and you never leave and you don't realize that there's more to life than that. Mm-hmm. And I really credit softball for doing that because I was able to travel. I was made, you know, they gathered the best girls from all different parts of LA County together and we were practicing so much. You didn't really have time to get into trouble. So mm-hmm. I will always say that softball uh, kept me out of trouble and kept me on the path um, of being able to go to college and just move forward with my life and kind of move out of, you know, the hood, I guess. I totally. So, so both your parents were athletes to some extent? Yeah. My mom was, uh, she played professional softball for no what way. they had back then. Oh, yeah, wow. she, uh, to this day, I will say that she is still better than me at her age. She's 63 <laughs> years old. She, if we, if we played, she probably still better than me. By better, did you, did you play the same position or what are you talking about? Uh, like batting she, or everything. She was a catcher. I was a catcher. She pretty much like, I feel like, and I don't know, you'd have to ask her, but I feel like she made me her kind of, you know, like I caught, I played, I do think she loved it more than me. Um, but she's, she's just, a, they're diehard f- uh, sports people and music people too. Interesting. Yeah. So neither of them were in any way, shape or form in the entertainment. No, no, they were actually. Oh, they were. So my dad was also in a band. Um, oh. and they always tell the story of that he was, um, some of his best friends, like one of his best friends who I call like an uncle now is a grant three time Grammy award winning, um, Tejano artist, which is, uh, I don't know if you know Tejano music, but it's like, he, has no, he has no idea. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me later. <laughs> uh, yeah. Bob Galarza. He's a three time, you know, and he played with, uh, he's a three time Grammy winner and my dad played with the guys from earth, wind and fire. And so I was always around, music they always they literally have stories about they said that they when they were like in their garage practicing back then they would like pass me around so um my mom though when she got like our at or not not got pregnant obviously but like when I was got a little bit older there was a big thing like she they always say that she made him quit or he couldn't you know you can't have a fam it's hard to have a family life and go on tour anyone that's been in the music I have a lot of friends that are in the music business it's so hard to go mm-hmm. on tour and do that and so at that time I think that's when he chose to be a dad and go get a regular job and not just be a bass player but I was around music and my family loves music. All my cousins, all my aunts, uncles, like we all like we were that family that plays name that tune at every Christmas, you know, That's and awesome. we went to, I, you know, going to all the whether they're small concerts in the park to festivals to whatever. Um, we always everybody loves music. My mom loves music, too. So, yeah. Mm. Alan, you can probably speak on that, too, because he uh, especially in the last year or two, he travels a lot and he's got two kids and. Hard. That's a grind. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's uh it's one of those things where it's uh, kind of like um a double edged sword for me where I'm I'm following my dream and I feel I owe it to myself and to everybody who's ever supported me to see it all the way through mm-hmm. and I'm so blessed to have these opportunities why wouldn't I make the most out of them but at the same time I understand that I have the responsibility at home I have two kids at home and I need to be there as much as I can for them especially they're still young so I need to be there for and I try to and I, and you know I I'm, I'm I'm always proud to say that I, I'm there for everything yeah. and I make it work somehow some way but I I could see where you know it's difficult and then I, 
I haven't gotten to that crossroads yet where I'm going to have to make a decision, but uh, I know it's going to come sooner. And I've seen, definitely have seen people that have been able mm-hmm. to work it out. You need a supporting partner that understands this world. Because the world that we live in is a completely different. So mm-hmm. if your partner understands, I've seen that some that work. For whatever reason, my mom made him quit. <laughs> or I don't know, that's a story. <laughs> um, but it can work, but it is tough. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so if you can make it work, I, you know, th- that came into play later because I feel like my dad, when, and I'm sure we'll get into this, when um, after I graduated college, the job I got was just on the street team making minimum wage, which I couldn't afford anything then. And my dad said, look, you have your college degree. You can go and get a real job whenever. You like, I'll support you following your dream. And if five years it doesn't work out, you're, you're still young enough to go get a regular job. And I think Absolutely. that came from his experience probably because yeah. maybe he didn't get to fulfill his dream and he realized how important it was for me to, he's like, just pay your car payment. And at the time it was like less than $200. I was like, I got, I got that. I got that. <laughs> That's awesome. Do, do you feel like, uh, I'm going to call it the hood. Yes. Do you feel like growing up at the hood plays into where you are now? Or like, it's, uh, it's part of you, like it, it's what got you through a, a lot of things? A thousand percent. I feel like it's made me tough. Mm-hmm. Um, it feel like it's made me um, realize what's important in life. feels like it's also made me relate to regular, to quote unquote regular people. Because I feel like in our industry, you get caught up and a lot of people become fake almost or become whatever Mm -hmm. and that always I always say like I can never like forget where I came from because I just go home (laughs) and then I'm like okay guys (laughs) no one cares here it's fine you know um so I think all of that of course shapes and I wouldn't trade it in for anything really I I you know at first I used to like like why you know I would see other kids that didn't grow up with struggles or just had everything handed to them and I was kind of like you know not jealous at a younger age but kind of like why me but then now in retrospect, it, it taught me how to work hard. It taught me how to appreciate everything I have. Um, it taught, it became, it, it's part of who I am and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Are you, because obviously we know your, uh, clout here in San Diego and how much an impression are you back there? Like an even bigger in LA. Like, well, the town you were like, uh, wherever you're from, are you like the, the major <laughs> six? You said a lot of yeah. the girls end up getting pregnant very young and, yeah. and don't get out. Like, are you kind of the, well, the big I don't know person from there for. is George Lopez. He's also from the oh, same city okay. and Gabby Trejo <laughs> is from the city, oh. uh, same city. So, but with that said, it's funny because they do ask me to be in the parades and things like that. So I don't know. I mean, I don't view myself as that, so it's hard to see, but maybe my my goal is to be an inspiration. And I've always said this is like, if I can come from where I'm from and make it, you can too. And that's Mm -hmm. what, like when I go speak to schools and things like that, that's what my goal is because I feel like kids from that area need to know because that you can do whatever you want. Sure, maybe a little bit harder. Sure, you may need to work a little bit harder. Sure, you may need to hustle a little bit more. But like, I feel like I am living proof that you can be from wherever, go through whatever and still do what you want that what makes you happy yeah and i think that honestly that's our the mission statement behind this show was i feel like right now everybody kind of just sees the finish line Mm -hmm. the finish line and they don't see where people were at the starting line yeah and they don't realize that most people showing the finish line there right now they're not even in the race yeah but right now everything appears that way so we wanted to go back to hey let's get back to the the starting line and show how you got through all those stages to get up there so I'm sure because I've, I've had friends and, you know, having that that struggle that that early on plays a much bigger role into like your adult life mm-hmm. and, and later on down the road. So um, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. And you had 
growing up family, you had a full house. Was it a big? Um, yeah, well, I'm Mexican, so we have a lot of family members. <laughs> I was inadvertently <laughs> asking. I'm like, so did you, uh, I have, that's Aguilar. All my cousins are watching right now. Shout out to you guys. They all got tattoos of Aguilar on them. I'm the only one that probably doesn't. Um, but, um, my immediate family was me and my two brothers. Um, but, uh, I don't know. Do you want to get into that now? Or yeah, no, no, we'll get into it. Yeah. Um, so I had two brothers who, um, were real, really close in age. We were all like a year apart from each other. Um, and, um, they both were murdered due to gang violence. Um, it was my brother. You want me to tell the story? Yeah, yeah definitely. Sure. I'm not laughing about it, but it's been a while now. And so I'm just, so and just so no, we talked about this beforehand too. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure that it was, uh, it was okay to, to talk yeah. about on here. So yeah, definitely. I think it's to. part of my story, but it's not, um, it's made me who I am. Um, but it doesn't define me who I, to mm-hmm. who I am either. Like I don't. I'll just tell the story, okay. (laughs) Um, So my brother, Matthew, was 17 years old, and um, he was not in gangs, but where where we're from, I mean... You're, it's not even one degree of separation. It's your own family members or friends or, you know, it's, it's, it's around, right? So you need, you know, what, st- what streets not to go onto at night, you know how to avoid it, or you know how to go to a party and it's very prevalent. So my brother, it was a high school party and he, um, he, he was with my other brother who was 19 at the time. Um, and they went into a party. It was like one of those flyer parties. You pay five bucks to get in or whatever, which we used to do all the time in high school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those were fun. <laughs> um, but he went in and he knew the girl at the door taking the money from like junior high or something. And I don't know what their beef was and he shouldn't have done this, but he called her a bitch. And the reason why I know all this is because um, I was in the court after. So, oh, you know, okay. all this stuff came out. She went and told her boyfriend within five minutes, he came into the party. So my brother was already in the party with my other brother and their friend. And he just pulled out a gun and shot him and killed him. It was like 10 o'clock at night. Um, and he was on all these drugs, the the, the shooter, because mm. they did, you know, all the tests Autopsy or whatever. And- yeah. And so, um, and shot him in front of my other brother. So he was a senior, he was, a, it was a senior year in high school. He played football on the high school football team. So he wasn't able to, I would say like go to prom and, you know, finish football and just do live life really after that. Were you younger or older? Uh, I was two years older. Okay. Yeah. So, so then, so I was in college at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I, by that time I was really removed from everything because when I went to college, I lived on campus. I was open to a whole new world over there, you know? So I came back and I don't know when my brothers got mixed up in trouble, but I feel like it was when I was in college because I didn't see it coming before then. Um, so that happened. And then about five, four months later, my grandma passed away because, uh, she was sick though. Um, and, but she passed away. And then five months later to the day, my other brother was shot and murdered too. And, um, what happened with him is there was a local park and it was three o'clock in the afternoon. So after my first brother, Matthew died, uh, Steven, one of my best friend's dad, uh, George, he got my brother a job and he was doing, okay, pack up. Sorry. I'm all over the place. This story okay. would not be good on the radio. Um, <laughs> I haven't told this story in a while, I think. So my, my other brother, Steven, who was 19, had two kids at the time who were just born, like one years old and a baby. And he was in gangs. And, um, he, so after my other brother died, I think he felt a sense of guilt, like it should have been him and not my other brother. And he really tried to clean up his act. And so that's when my best friend's dad got him a job. He was working with the pipe fitters union, doing all this stuff. But I always say, like, 
even if you're trying to get out, you're still around it. It's still your environment, you know? So he had come home from work at like 3 p.m. and he was at my cousin's house and they had, they were swimming and they were going to the local park to play basketball. So my cousin was like 10 minutes behind him. He was taking a shower. He said, so my brother walked to the park with his friend and at the park, um, and this is why I know this because they were having like an after school program. So there's a bunch of little kids in there, like four to seven years old um, after school in the gym. And these little kids are the ones who ended up on the stand at the court after this. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so they were talent. They were saying so according to the little kid, I remember this boy vividly. He said there was three black guys and there was three Mexican guys. The Mexican guys wanted to play basketball with the black guys. The black guys didn't want to. One of the Mexican guys, my brother, threw the ball at him and went to the other side of the court. That's when one of the black guys, and I'm only referring to this because that's how the little kid described it, and it shows how race does work. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I mean, in that environment, like that's really real. Um, went to the like to the stands, got a gun, and shot him in front of all those little kids. Oh. So, um, and he died a few hours later. And the kid that shot him was only like 14 years old. Um, yeah. And, and, and your brother was how old? 19. Um, and he had just, they had just been swimming at my cousin's house down the street. Um, and so five months later to the day, well, it was February 1st to July 1st. So that's, I think that's five months. Um, mm-hmm. My brother died too. And he had two young kids, my niece and nephew. Um, who, All while you were away at college. Yeah, well, by this time now, so wait. Was I in college? No, I'm sorry. It was right when I had graduated college. Oh, okay. It was like maybe my senior year or right after. I can't really. It's hard. It's you like weren't living. Life. You weren't living. In no, Earth. I was living on my own in Burbank. Okay. Um, I wasn't living back there. Um, so yeah, I must have been right out of college then because I already had a real job. Yes. Sorry, my timeline's all wrong. Uh, it was right. It was right after college. Oh wow. Um, and so yeah, and so after that happened, after my first brother ha- uh, died. I went back to work. I was working at Fox Sports TV at the time. Um, But after my second brother died, it was like all a blur. And I was in like a deep depression and just moved back in with my parents. I don't even know who moved me out of my apartment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I literally did nothing for an entire year and was like, if anyone like I that's why when people say they're depressed, like I know what people feel when they're depressed Mm -hmm. because I truly, truly was depressed for that year and even longer. But that year was really bad. Like, I wasn't eating, just staying home. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I got super skinny, not on a positive mm-hmm. way, but just because I wasn't eating. And it was a really, really dark time uh, during that. Were you closer to one more than the other? Um, I would say I was closer to, yes, the 19-year-old because he, my brother Steven, even though he was a little bit younger, he was always like the man of the house. He always took care of us. Um, so he was like the person that we leaned on for everything. And then after my other brother, Matthew had died, me and Steven got really close. Um, so his death was really, both were really hard, but his death was really, really impactful because all of a sudden I'm like by myself, I felt like, you know, Mm -hmm. like these, my, me, my brothers, me, my parents, my mom always says that we never fought. Like we were best friends, Yeah, you know? And it was, it's funny because, um, not funny, but we used to always have these dreams. Like we grew up in LA. So we always wanted to work in the entertainment industry. So my brother was always like, I'm going to be your bodyguard. I'm like, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to need a bodyguard, but okay. (laughs) But my point is that my brothers were always in on everything. Mm -hmm. And that leads to now, because I feel like I do everything for them because if I didn't, there's a there has to be a reason why they died. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I think it definitely switched my perspective on things and it switched my 
the way I was going, um, but they're very much a part of everything I do. Um, because we've had, we had the discussions when we were little yeah, kids, yeah. like growing up, we knew, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do in the entertainment industry, but we knew that that's what we were going to conquer kind of, you know, yeah. and they were going to be a very much a part of that. How did, uh, how did the deaths of, of your two brothers affect your relationship with your parents? Um, you know, everybody to this day, my, you know, death changes everybody. And I don't think you're ever the same. Um, it made us closer, I think, um, my parents have been together since my mom was 14 and my dad was like, he was a little older. He was like 19 or 20. I guess back in the day, it didn't matter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> actually, he was 21. He's seven years older than her. Um, but it changed because I think we all got a little, a lot closer. Um, because when something that happens, I feels like it can either break you or bring you closer. And in our case, it brought us closer, not immediately. Um, you know, everyone healed differently you know my dad did my mom did me even my cousins and my family members everybody did their healed I always say like with death and that's what I always tell people like you can't tell someone how to heal you can't tell people how to react like you know like I hate when people I hear people say like oh well they you know why are they out or why why are they out laughing when their so-and-so just died like mm -hmm. I was out partying sometimes right after because that's what I needed to get out of my you know depression mm -hmm. or whatever just to forget but sometimes I was crying too so I really always tell people you can't tell someone how to mourn. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can't, everybody deals with it differently. And with my family, we all dealt with it differently. But I think in the end, it brought us all closer together. So, so what exactly was the catalyst that kind of got you out of your, you know, that state of mind at that time? What, what was it that kind of propelled you to, you know? So, okay. So previous to my brother's dying during college, mm -hmm. I interned at Kiss FM, which was a radio station yeah. in LA. And I always knew I wanted to, I was a business major and, and I've never taken to this day a TV or radio class or anything like that. Um, but I was a business major because in my mind I was like, okay, well, if entertainment doesn't work out, I always have a business degree, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, and so I, but I always wanted to work in the entertainment industry, but I saw myself like doing like more behind the scenes. Um, so during college, I got an internship at Kiss FM, um, which is a radio station. It's a top four. It's a big, it's, you know, home of Ryan Seacrest. And I loved it. And it was mainly because I love the people I worked with. And that's why I'm a big fan of, like, creating your team and making sure your environment is good because you can really grow a passion for something, you know? And so I love the people I work with. I loved getting free concert tickets. I think it was the first time I ever went to like a real concert, you know? You know, we, the, the perks were unbelievable, especially for a broke college student. Like, for sure. unbelievable. And I loved everyone I worked with. So I worked there during college and I never envisioned myself being on the radio though. So I literally, I always say this, I tried to quit radio at least six times, at least six <laughs> times, um, because I was like, okay, I got to go get a real job. After I graduated college, I was like, and that's when I went to work at Fox Sports TV as a sales assistant, um, which by the way, everybody at Fox Sports TV was awesome. Really? But I just knew that sales was not for me. I'm not like a business type person, like have to suit up every day. Like, that's, that's not me. That won't deter me from going to an event if I have to dress up. Um, <laughs> but... So that's when I went and did that. But my old boss, who I'm sure we'll bring up a little bit, um, he's like, hey, just stay on. We'll just use you for the big events. Like the, they had big concerts and stuff. And so I was always kind of working at Kiss FM. Um, and so after my brothers died and after I stopped working at Fox Sports TV, and that was when I stopped working at Fox Sports TV, it was purely out of like, I could barely walk at that point, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I was home for that year and I was not talking to anyone. I was like, a sense of me was embarrassed too because 
at the time, I had just got into this entertainment world, which most, in my head then, now knowing now, but it was, I was only, what, like 21, you know, all, everybody in the entertainment industry, I felt like they don't know what the hood is, and like, they're gonna think different of me if I say my brothers got murdered, and mm-hmm. blah, blah, which, which was not the case, mm-hmm. but in my head, that's where it was, and so I didn't want to tell anyone, I didn't want to talk to anyone, I was just kind of just stayed home, and my, my boss back then, I remember he called my mom's house phone and he, he, he's a very stern boss and which I love because he has taught me, he's one of the best in the business and he taught me how to work hard. And somehow my mom put the phone, like made me get on the phone. And I remember, can I cuss on here? Yeah. Okay. He, he said, Gina, get the fuck out of that house. And I'm like, whoa. And then he's like, look, you can come back and work for me in the office. Because I hate it. When I first started, I was like setting up, you know, you're interlumped, you're setting up tents, you're getting people coffee, you're getting all that stuff. And that's great. I think that's all part of the grind. But I did not want to set up another tent ever mm-hmm. again in my life. So he's like, you don't have to set up any more tents. He's all, you could just work in the office. He's all, you can work for as little out, many hours as you want or as most. You can leave when you want. And he was very, he's all, no one even, no one's even here the same that you know before. So don't be, which I think was bullshit, by the way. But, <laughs> but he, he did what he could to make me um, go back. And I don't know what it was. I literally that day got up and went back to work the next day. And I started working. And After the phone call? Yeah, the next day. I just got up and went back to Kiss FM. Because I had never been like terminated or anything. It was just kind of like a leave of absence. So it was very easy to come back to work. And then after that is really when my career started taking off and everything started happening and I was just like whoa 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 and it was what I needed at the time I really threw myself into work mm-hmm. overdrive at that time wow that's crazy yeah that's so crazy. so it wasn't even until after college that you decided like hey radio's the way I want to go like not even as as a child like I because the way the reason I ask is because I'm from San Diego I grew up in North County San Diego <laughs> But I could still pick up L.A. signals on my radio. And I was always tuned in because L.A. radio is so much, I, I always say, so much better than everybody else's yeah. radio. Um, so even as a, as a kid growing up in L.A., you weren't like... Well, I, I will say that I remember my junior year in high school, KISS FM did a, like a promotion at the McDonald's by my house. Mm-hmm. And I remember going up to them and being like, hey, how can I work for you guys? You know, And I, it's funny because the two people that answered me, I ended up working with them later. And, and they're like, oh, you start as an intern and blah, 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 blah. So was, it all, was, I, was I always open to it? Yeah. Was it my dream to be on the radio? No, but I love the entertainment industry and I loved music. So it was the way, you know, my career. Yeah. yeah. But... Even then, even after I went back, is not when I did. I tried to quit and up until I came to San Diego, even. Do you want me to continue going? <laughs> how, how long did you intern? Um, I interned for about a year and a half before I got hired. Then I got hired on the street team. And, and then I got hired where, you, you know, the street team, you make minimal wage, but you're the one setting up. I was there. You're there at 4 o'clock in the morning to yeah. midnight. It's like grind, but I loved it. For whatever reason, I loved the grind. I loved the people I worked with. Um, so yeah. I, I, I will back you up because yeah. the boss she's talking about said that you were like the example. They always, when they were referring to street team, talking yeah. about street team, because yeah. he said it was a lot of, uh, it was majority like females who were street team. Is that right? Um, or, I'm not sure. I don't remember. Maybe it was at the I time, but, mixed, he, but yeah. he said, uh, it's so funny that you bring about, bring up setting up tents. Cause he said that was like the number one complaints. And he's like, and there was a lot of like manual type labor involved, 
but he actually said you never, like, you never complained. I didn't. Never complained. You were always <laughs> one that, like, you put it on your back and you just did it. And he's like, yeah, she was always the person we made the example out of. Whether maybe, maybe he didn't publicly put this out there. But she was like the model street team. And I don't know like how yeah. everybody else worked. Well, my parents always taught me like if you're going to do a job, you're going to do it mm-hmm. right. And you're going to do it on time and you're going to be there. And so inside, the main thing I, I hated about sitting up tents was that my hands got dirty. It wasn't the actual manual work. <laughs> like, my hands were so dirty. So it wasn't like, like I hated it, but I loved it. I guess it, yeah. And as, I'm not a complainer. I, to this day, I still don't complain at work. I don't think that does anything for anybody, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but we had a good relationship where he knew on the side like it was time to like can we move on from the tents, you know? But I, I always say, like, I hi- everyone I hire, I mean, it's not a mandatory requirement, but it's definitely a plus if you've worked on the street team and you've, you've got your hands dirty. Do you ever wander down to where the street team people are now in the office and yes. mingle with them? I love, yes, I do, and I should do it more, but I always make time to make sure I go and thank them because I know how much work they put in. I know that there, it was like, some of, I made some of my best friends during that time, and some of the other people that were on my street team went on and did some great things, and I always tell them, like, hey, these people, this is when you could be the most creative with each other. I love that they do, like, all these passion projects, and I have them filming a commercial for me right now um, oh, for cool. our girls conference I have two of the street teamers doing it for me because I believe in their talent I, I believe in I don't think that they're like I want to see like I feel like the kids and the gen that's where we need to learn from almost like mm-hmm. some of them lack a little work ethic with these millennials these days um, <laughs> but um, for the most part I love the creativity down there so I try as much as possible to make sure they know that I know where they're at that I was there one time do they always try to get time with you where they can? Um, I think they're scared. Um, some <laughs> some do, some don't. And yeah. I don't know, you know, I, I try to give as much time as I can, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could tell the ones that are more confident um, and talk more. And then some I think are just scared, which I understand too. Hmm. Yeah. Was there anything from your street team days that you would say were the most valuable thing you learned? I learned? Yeah. Uh, to be accountable, um, you know, when we were setting up promotions, you're doing it for huge clients. And I didn't understand what I was, that there was like millions of dollars involved, but we, but we needed to make sure, but I was just like, we need to make sure that we're set up and we're right for the client and all this stuff. Although I didn't really understand what it was back then. Um, I guess I learned how to be accountable. Um, I learned how to work hard and I made some of my best friends to this day who are very successful now. And it's, it's so funny. Cause like, I always tell the younger kids, I'm like, I'm like, look, the people you meet now are going to, you know, you never know what they're, mm-hmm. and, and I, you know, I'll get some interview now. They're like, how'd you get that interview? I'm like, Man, we used to set up tents together when we were 18, you <laughs> so know what true. I mean? They just happen to be famous now, sorry, you know, or whatever. So it's it's pretty cool to see everyone evolve into that. That's awesome. So that's a that's a good segue because we want to talk about some of the millennials in the current day and how it was then versus how it is now. Mm-hmm. So it's a great segue.
Oh, dang, my shirt's going to fly now. Yeah. Cool. So I, I guess since you've got the time in radio you have and, mm-hmm. and mentioning millennials um, <laughs> and, and how it was then versus how it is now, like the transition you've seen, is there still that? Because, I mean, we're involved with hospitality and there's, yeah. there's those days you wake up and you're just like, fuck, you yeah. know? Yeah. Do you still have those where not necessarily quitting, but like those days you're like, what the hell? What am I doing? Um... You know, not really. Um, up until the last few years, I've, you know, changed my outlook on a lot of things. And I don't do anything that stresses me out. And I don't do anything I don't want to do. And I've learned the power of no. And that's really mm-hmm. helped me with that stuff. Because I feel like life's too short to be angry at work. Life's too short to be angry at people. Life's too short to have beef with people. Like, all that stuff. So, I wouldn't say, I'm not perfect, so never say never, right? Mm-hmm. Um but for the most part, like I feel like I've, I think it's really important to, you are in control of your surroundings, of your people, and you. For me, I've made it a point to only have the best people in my life that bring me up and don't bring me down. To have the great, a great team around me, like mm-hmm. from our interns to our producer, like everybody is like family to me. Um, and to make myself, to not put myself in situations that are going to make me angry and upset because that's not going to bring out the best in me. For sure. So, yeah. so, so of those, you said it was about six times you really wanted to quit. Quit, yes. What yes. was the closest you got? Oh, I tried quitting plenty of times. <laughs> Kevin, my like old boss, would not a... let me. He never let me. He's like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine, like you. But I'll tell you the closest I got. So after, when I went back to work at Kiss FM on the street team, shortly after, um, they my boss who a different boss who by the way I was so naive then I didn't know I just knew that these were my friends that I worked with at the radio station I didn't get radio I didn't understand the the extent of these people but this guy his name is John Ivy and if you google him like I mean like Justin Bieber shouts him out he's he's responsible for some of the biggest musical talents he pulled me into his office and I just knew you know when you're young you just know who's the boss but you don't know exactly Mm -hmm. what they do and I never wanted to be on air so I would never win on that side of the building but I was like friends with them so he pulled me in and he said what uh what do you want to do like you know what do you want to do and it was after my brothers had died and I'm sure someone had told him the story I said you know I want to be a real news reporter. Like I wanted to be like all like covering, like almost dying. Like oh, I'm in the, you know, I don't know. I don't know why I want to do that in my head. I wanted to be some real like serious news reporter. He said, okay. And then he's like, well, um, do you have any interest of being on the radio? And I'm all being on the radio, like talking. And he's just like, yeah. And I was like, uh, sure. Like, you know, like, you know, like I'm not one to turn down an opportunity, but I had never really thought about it. And he said, well, I'm going to be honest with you. Like the culture is changing. You're, we need more Latins. Like we meet, like at the time it was all white people, white DJs and we had no Latin representation in LA. There's a lot of Latinos there and we need someone you've been working here. You work, you know, I'll tell you what he told me later because it was crazy how he chose me. Cause he could have chose anyone. Like I, I wasn't even, I never talked on the radio. Like, how does he know if I'm good or not? He said, get me an air check and let me listen and come back and we'll see. I said, sure, sure, sure. I went into my <laughs> other boss's office, Kevin, the one you interviewed. And I said, John Ivy wants an air check. What the fuck is an air check? Like, I didn't even know what it was. And he's like, 
what? John Ivy? Because this is a whole different department now, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so Kevin, my old boss, luckily, and that's why I think relationships are so important and just being a good person because so many people helped me with this air check that didn't have to help me. But they helped me only because I had been working hard as a street teamer and they liked me. And that is truthful. And so they put me in a studio. It was the first time actually, because in Kiss FM, you don't even walk in the studio. It's like, if you're not on air, you do not belong in there. So like they put me in the studio with a producer and they literally told me what to say. Like I didn't know anything, right? And it was all because I had just made friends with them. Um, and so I went back, like I forgot. If, they threw a couple air checks out. Kevin was like, no, this is a piece of shit. Throw it away. Throw it away. We're, we're not giving it to him. We finally got one that was like doable. And I went back into my boss's office, John Ivy. Um, and like I said, Google him and you'll know the extremity of him um, and how powerful he is in the music business. But like I said, I had no clue who he was back then. Like I just knew he was a boss, you know? And he listens to my air check for 20 seconds and he turns it off. And I'm like, oh, great. You know? And you were there while he was listening? Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. oh and, man. And I, I was like, oh, God, he freaking hates it like what's going on right and so he turns it off and he says just fix the way you say LA now he's like this white man from Nashville right and he had just moved to LA so I'm like fix the way I say for I'm LA I was so confused because I'm from LA like how am I saying LA wrong like I don't get it so I went home and I remember my 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 <laughs> parents like heard me practicing LA LA and no one at home was helpful because they were all saying it the same way I was saying it like they're like I don't know what you're trying to say right and so the, I went back and I was like, I was really worried. Like, I'm not going to get this job because I don't know how to say L.A., right? Like, what is going on? You know, he, he he's like, I was wrong. Keep saying it how you say it. So let me explain. And I was like, God, that's funny. So it was because like, I guess I say it, like A.L., L.A., like, that's how any Latino in L.A. says it, L.A., like L.A. And now I think I say it how he wants me to say it, L.A. I don't even, I still don't know. What the <laughs> but still but he, it. I guess someone told him, no, that's how everyone, every Latino says it. So don't make her change it because you want to appeal to Latinos. Or are you going to make right. her change who she is? Which was cool because it was the first thing of like, just be you. Yeah, Like, yeah. all we want you to is be you. So. I, he said, okay, I'll, 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 I'll let you know when I need you. So what I started doing is I was just calling in. like So I was like the street girl. So I would um, go to, like, we did this Friday night party with um, ODM, who is from Lighter Shade of Brown. I don't know if you guys know the group, but <laughs> ODM was a radio DJ. So that was like a, the first show I was on. And I would literally go to different parties in LA and call in like, hey, I'm out here in Montebello, blah, blah, blah. We got Papa John's for these pizza, you know, whatever, <laughs> kind of like that. It was like the party girl. And then I also started working on the nighttime show, JoJo. Now, that was all volunteer-free. That's why I sometimes, like, I worked, like, I only, I mean, they probably can't claim this, well, I'll just say it. I got paid for a certain amount of hours, but I was there. I was, like, trying to learn from everyone. I was there. And so I became friends with the nighttime DJ, JoJo. And I would just, like, sit in on the show and go out to red carpets because he had, like, a red carpet reporter. So I was just being their little bitch pretty much, like, yeah, their little yeah. assistant. And I would do anything every single day. So I was at the radio station from, like, 8 a.m. doing my desk job. Then I would stay till the nighttime. I was just, like, that person that would just do whatever and I that's when I started going out to red carpets my career started me doing red carpet interviews and um Manny on the streets who ended up working with Ryan Seacrest by the time he was doing Jojo he let me come with me and come with him and be his assistant I was just on the red carpet I was like this little girl from the hood like on the red carpet I was like so excited just to be there like all the cameras you know whatever well one day there was two red carpets. He had to go interview Lindsay Lohan or go to the James Bond premiere. And the DJ wanted us at both, and it was impossible. So the DJ JoJo was like, put Gina on the phone. And so he's all, Gina, are you cool to go to the James Bond premiere by yourself? And oh, I'm yeah. like, 
Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, the same thing, like the air check. I didn't even know what that meant. Like, cause I was always like, yeah, yeah, I could do it. Sure, sure. So there I go with my little recorder to this Jane Prawn premiere. And I swear everyone thought I was like not supposed to be there. Cause at the time I was like little and like everybody has these big cameras and I just have my little like mic and they're like, what the heck, you know? And, but I always say fake it till you make it. I don't mean, when I say that, I don't mean like fake who you are, but I truly believe that you can do anything you put your mind to. Mm -hmm. So even though I didn't know what I was doing, confidence goes a long way. And and like I had watched Manny enough times to do it so I could do it, right? And the first interview I got for JoJo was Pierce Brosnan, James no. Bond. No. Yes. No. And I truly think he stopped because just because you're on the red carpet doesn't mean you're going to get the interview. Like you right. have to fight. Like those red carpets are rugged. People don't see what goes behind. On behind. Really? Like, you're lit. Like people are pushing you for interviews. They're like, get out of the way. I think he stopped at me because I was at the time probably in, in the the demographics have changed now, but at the time, I was probably the only little Latin girl, like 21 years old, like with the little mic, like, hey, hey, stop. <laughs> and he was like, who the hell are you, you know? And he stopped, and I put him on the phone live on the radio with JoJo. No way. Yeah, and that was the first interview, and after that, that proved to them that I could do it. So whenever they needed someone else or whenever Manny couldn't do it, um, they always just let me go, and that's when I, that's how I started doing interviews with celebrities. And um, when Ryan Seacrest came on our station, Manny went up to Ryan Seacrest, and instead of finding like doing a nationwide audition for a red carpet reporter, JoJo said, "No, I just want Gina," and that's it. And so I didn't have to audition, and I slipped wow. right in because I had been at that time. Now I had been working on the show for like a year for free, just. I would stay on the show meetings. I was just, I just loved it. And, mm -hmm. and Jojo actually, like I had so many people help with my career and I always, always thankful for them because they didn't have to. Jojo is one of the biggest nighttime radio DJs in the country. And when it was time for me to audition for San Diego, I'm skipping a few things. He's the one who sat in the studio and did my air check for me. And to have someone that big and that caliber just do the show, to leave his show to come yeah. to San Diego, that says a lot about him. And to this day, I always tell him, thankful, thank, uh, thank you. Um, so that's kind of how I, I started doing that. So I was doing the red carpets. I was doing ODM show. I was still doing call-ins. And then all of a sudden, all these radio stations from all across the country started calling me. Hey, do you want to come audition to do mornings and I was like at that point I still wasn't like I was still doing it for fun yeah. and and but now looking back I always say like find a job that is fun because that's what's going to make you motivate that's week so even though at the time in my head I wasn't comprehending that I was going to be a radio DJ I was doing it because it was fun I wasn't doing it for the money because you don't make shit when you start mm -hmm. at all <laughs> my first full-time job was when I came here and still that was very low um so I, so I was doing that and just working on all these radio stations. And I, it's so funny because now I didn't know anything about radio. And these were big shows calling me. I didn't even go out and audition because at the time I was like, I'm not leaving LA, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, but San Diego, I've, I've come to San Diego since I was little. My friends came to college here at San Diego State. I feel like it's my second home already. So when they came calling, asking for um, hey, an air check or an audition. That's when JoJo did my air check for me. And I said, and my boss kind of said, you know what, you can go audition. And if it doesn't work out, you always have a home here. And I came down and auditioned. And I got the job that I was the last girl to audition. I got the job that day and I was moved down in San Diego the next week. And I've been here for 13 years now. Um, That's yeah. crazy. And mm. the to go to the last time, I, I'll tell you the last time I tried to quit. <laughs> was about a year, and I had, when I first moved here, I signed a one-year contract, and um, I couldn't handle, I, what a lot of people don't know about me is I'm actually more shy than people think, and I love talking on the radio, but I hate, like, this, like, 
being the face of it. And Mm -hmm. when I first moved here, people were hating on me. Like if I said something incorrect, like, you know, and it was when social media was just starting. So I would get like messages on like, Facebook or whatever, like, hey, you're ugly, you're fat, you don't know how to speak, you're illiterate, like, like, people are mean, and I called my mom, and I was like, mom, I don't want to do this, like, this is not, like, it's not worth it for me, like, I, this, I didn't ask for this, I'm not trying to be a star, like, why do I, you know, what, you know, why am I here, and she said, no, how you need to, you finish out that year contract, and that, and that's how my parents said, and then you can come back home, um, but the, what made me stay in radio is the first time I opened up about my brothers on the radio here in San Diego. And I had told the story, um, into more, what I told you guys, but in more detail. And it was probably a little bit more emotional back then. And I got so many emails and messages from people all over San Diego thanking me for sharing the story, whether they had been through something similar or they just can relate somehow or whatever. And I realized in that moment, if even though most of our show is joking and having fun, that when I have something serious to say, people listen, that when um, it's worth it, I can put up with the the haters or the mean people like or whatever. <laughs> if if the, the purpose is much bigger than that. Where was the first place you said it that you came out with it? On the radio. It. it was on the radio. On the oh, radio, okay. yeah. On the radio. And after that is when I had got so many messages. And so I kind of at that moment said, you know what? I'm gonna like I'm gonna suck it up. I'm gonna be tough. I'm just gonna block bitches. <laughs> 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 and I'm not gonna because at the end of the day, I'm still hood and that shit could come out, right? Yeah, yeah, Anyone yeah, that yeah. knows that, right? I've I say that I've progressed a lot because I I've I, I, and we can probably get into that later, but you know, I meditate and I do all that stuff now. But like back then, I was about to like pop off on whoever, and yeah. I couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like being a Latina, you know, I couldn't do that. Um, so I made a conscious decision to know that if what I'm going to say, when I have something important to say, people listen, and that's worth dealing with all the other stuff. And after that, I stopped trying to quit after that. Where, where did the the name Gina Latina come from? Is that from L.A. or did that happen and start when when you came to San Diego? It's funny. Uh, it came from L.A. and I didn't have a choice in it and I didn't care then. So it was it was around that same time. And they were trying to think of a name um, that so people so I don't. OK, and this is a different time. Right. So I'm, and I'm not talking shit, but it was very real about like they wanted someone that was Latino, but they wanted something, someone that could appeal to both, not just like two, two Latino and and so, but if you hear me speak, you probably wouldn't think I was Latino, right? Or yeah. whatever. Like, you don't know unless I'm speaking in Spanish or something. So at first they were trying to go with Gina Aguilar, right? Because that's obvious, right? All you have to say my name. But it just wasn't catchy. So one of the guys, his name is Dave Styles. It's funny. I just ran into him in Hawaii. He, um, he's a, he was a radio DJ at the time. And he's like, why don't we just call you Gina the Latina? That's what they're trying to tell anyone anyway. You know what I mean? And so it kind of became a joke. And JoJo said it on the radio, like, out on the streets is Gina the Latina like it was just like funny and that name quit like in a week my boss John Ivy was like that's your name and I was like at the time I was just like sure yeah whatever I didn't understand (laughs) it you know but it it was it's very catchy and they did like all these studies and it was the second most recognizable name at the time after Ryan Seacrest no um, way. And, and and I wouldn't say it's because people knew me. I said it's very easy. Like it's it's all about branding, yeah. you know? And it and it, it was a bit but but did I choose that? No. Did I go with it? Sure, you know? I feel like someone was looking out for me then. So that kind of brings like a couple of questions to to, to my mind. Uh obviously the, the station Kiss of M, it's uh top forty pop. Yeah. Uh that's that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. Um with a name like that, did you ever like kinda did you ever have to um I guess did you ever have any pressure from 
you know, fans or anything to be more authentic, I guess you could say, and like speak Spanish or anything yes. like that? It, I will always say that the I I had it hard I I get it the hardest I used to now I think most people are it's better but from Latinos from my own people and from women were the, yeah. always the hardest of me. Well, I, yeah, that's the culture. That's how yeah. it is in the culture. That's why I ask. I mean, did you, did you ever like? Yeah. get hated on I guess because yeah. oh a thousand percent I would get hated I probably still do to this day um, <laughs> and it used to bother me and I at the time I was filming a TV show called LA TV which was on a Latin network but I spoke English on it so it was, mm-hmm. it was a time it was a weird time too it was when like Spanglish and it was okay but I was never I've always been true my dad has always told me like just be who you are and at first I used to be get um, like what's the word um, insecure about it mm-hmm. um, because my Spanish is all right would I go on Univision? No, 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 no. <laughs> but can I speak Spanish and communicate? Yeah, you know? And so it's, it's, I, I, but then I started thinking about like, you know, there's a lot of people like me that grew right. up that are, are like, I'm very involved in my culture. Like, like meaning like I grew up, like I have a big Mexican family. We did the big parties. We did everything, but my, my family speaks English at home and, and they speak Spanish, but it's mainly English. So once I started realizing that there's other people like me, I just chose to like stand firm in who I am. And like, I don't care what you think, really. Like, I think it's it's cool that if you grew up in a Spanish speaking home all the time, that's cool. And if you didn't, that's cool. There's so many different Latinos out there that I just feel like I am who I am. And I stopped trying to please everybody. Um, so I'm very honest. It's funny. I joke about it on the radio all the time. Like, like because DJ Ciris on our show is from Tecate. So uh-huh. like, I, and, and I always say my Spanish got so much worse living in San Diego because <laughs> all my family's up there and I don't speak it that much. So I'll forget words. I'll be like, see is how do you say that or whatever so and I think people have grown at first they were hating on it but now they just accept it for who I am and that's why I always tell people just be who you are people may not get it immediately but eventually they'll either grow to love it or they'll just accept you and I think that's what people have done at this point in San yeah. Diego that's yeah it's uh you, just everything you're talking about right now is something I can relate to just so much yeah. um just because I am Mexican mm-hmm. and I grew up you know in an English speaking home mm-hmm. and it was very important to my parents that I spoke Spanish. Like we'd have me and my brother had uh, Spanish tutors growing up and it was always very important to embrace your culture, but it was just different. It was, it was difficult to uh, embrace that dichotomy of like growing up as a Mexican kid and like, yeah. you know, but in an English speaking home, um, but just all the influences and the, the changes. Like I remember very vividly the change in radio, especially mm-hmm. when that shift from, I think it was like Rick D's before, and yeah. then it was Ryan Seacrest after that. And just that shift in, in at Kiss FM, especially because mm-hmm. that's what I listened to. Like Power 106 was, yeah. was too ghetto for, not ghetto, but <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah, was too explicit for yeah. what my parents wanted me to listen to as yeah. a kid. So growing up, I listened to Kiss FM. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember that shift the over shift from of- like very, white radio i guess to a little bit more of like diversity yeah um so it's just like everything that you're saying right now it's just having those two influences in your life and then especially going to like a loyola marymount where i went to university of san diego down here which is super white i know Um, i always say i never knew there were so many white people till i went to college i was like wow but it was cool and i'm not talking shit but i'm just like that was the first experience that wow there's people from alabama like what's going on (laughs) yeah so that that experience is just it's so relatable for me um coming from la yeah so I asked your boss the same question, uh-huh. and it's funny you brought up the air checks. Uh-huh. I said, hey, do you have any of those original air checks? <laughs> does and he, he? No. He said, no. I'm like, do you oh. think she does? Because I'm going to ask her. He's like, I hope she burned them all. Like, <laughs> they were I horrible. Hope... <laughs> I always say that. He's like, I hope she burned those original ones. Cause it, but he also said, too, he's like, 
I, I, he would have people come to him like you wanting him to give feedback on the air checks. And he's like, I usually would give my feedback. and never hear from him again. Mm-hmm. He's like, she kept coming back yeah, and kept coming back. But, uh, I always, do you have any of them? So I, it's funny cause I just saw one. It's on a tape. And it said with Rick D's. <laughs> so I just, because I was cleaning out like a drawer and um, I don't know what's on it. I don't know. I wish I had, I have some from when my early career, I don't know about back then, but mm. I was horrible. It and had to be somewhere. And you know, what's funny is that you bring that up is, you know, back to John Ivy, who is like the big boss. Again, Google him, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> Later, later on, I asked him, why did, like, why did you choose me? Because like, I didn't have any experience. I didn't whatever. And he told me, you know why I chose you? He's all, because I can make anyone good on the radio, but I can't teach people how to work hard. And whenever I walked into a room, you were the hardest working person in there. Mm-hmm. So I knew that if you had that work ethic, I could teach you how to be good on the radio. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that goes back to what Kevin said, is that like, I'm always, like, even to this day, trying to learn from people. And I don't, I'm not one of those people who just like, oh, thinks I'm better or I already know everything. Like, I feel like you can learn from everything and that's where people fail because they, like their ego gets hurt or something. Mm -hmm. But I've always been like, teach me more, teach me more let me get better, let me get better. Um, And so, and that, and he kind of validated that and I tell that I, that's the number one thing I look for when I work, choose people to work for me is if they work hard because I know I could teach them the basic skills, but you can't teach people work ethic. I feel like that's, that's a great point and I have my opinion on it on it but do you nowadays like modern day do you feel like that's lost work ethic yeah i feel like no i i like I, there's still people in your at your station whatnot who you see like that was me back when i was yes i i think it's a different environment with social media it's really changed mm-hmm. a lot of these i always say kids because i'm like a i'm still a millennial but i'm an elder millennial i say <laughs> um they're on the cusp you know um but i feel like i i don't ever want to discount this generation um because there are some hardworking people. Do I think it's less a little bit sometimes, you know, but mm-hmm. I, I always say like, it makes my career longer because they're not trying to hustle, you know, but there are some, but when I find the ones that work hard and I see that myself and them, I will do everything I can to help them um, advance their career. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just more, it's more visible. It's easier to see the successful people or have contact with them. Like before, when we were growing up, there's no way you'd have an extension or line to you. Now it's like, I have an Instagram, yeah. you have a Facebook, all yeah. that. And they see it. And it's funny because I was talking to a mutual friend, Frankie, who's always also in radio. And it's I feel like they want to jump the steps because they see that. Yes. They don't see those little steps in between, like all the grunt work. Because he has a, the same like crazy background yeah. too. But we never had that access where it's like, I can just pull up my phone when I was a kid and be like, oh, there's Gina. And I can send her a message and maybe she'll send me back. And you yeah. kind of felt connected and like, oh, it's it's more of a reality. Whereas now it's like, it's right in front. And so yeah. I, that's why I said I, I have my opinion um, on it. And I don't think it's totally lost, but I feel like that's kind of like polluted the water yeah. a little bit. I agree. Um, but I think the people that don't, that still work hard and still do it the old fashioned way are the ones that I've seen that succeed mm-hmm. uh, in the long run. Because a lot of the instant success do, don't make it mm-hmm. at all. I've seen people in my own career, all of a sudden they get a job and they weren't ready for it. Like they weren't, but because they were, had so many followers, they got the job and then guess what? They freaking got fired in six months because they weren't ready for it. So, um, I always just say like, work hard, be a good person, be a good human being, um, be prepared and, and your path will, will kind of figure itself out. Totally agree. Yeah. So now to where you're at today. Yes. 
what's the current day look like? What's the day to day or what gets you really like excited, whether it's at work, outside of work? I know you do a lot of work with uh, with uh, the youth, especially yeah. young girls. Yeah. So what uh, we've caught everybody up to, I guess, the weeds. Yeah. Um, so what is today? So um, today it's funny because it, I guess it's like it's not that the more successful you get, the less grind you have to do um but you can pick and choose and I'm really um uh I guess not careful but my space and who I am and how to maintain happy is the number one thing no matter what and so when I choose like projects I'm working on or people I'm working on that is my number one always um so I guess as far as your day-to-day like do the radio I do tv Writing a book, which I haven't really talked about Writing much. Writing a book? Uh, yeah, I write music, songs, yeah, um, which I don't really, you know, I, I don't like to, I guess I should speak it into fruition, but I like to wait until it's sure, pretty yeah. much done. Um, but my focus is, um, and I do the Girls Empowerment Conference, which is the biggest in the nation of its kind. It's in April. It's in April 6th mm-hmm. at the Pendry. Um, but it's uh, it's 500 teen girls from quote-unquote underserved communities, but anyone can come. Yeah. Um, and I think we're gonna do a, we're gonna try to do a women's conference next year too. We'll see. Um, so I'll do a girls and women's because I think women's is very important too. Um, so it, it's pretty busy. It's busy, but at the same time, I make time for. I'm a real like. I value true relationships and true friendships and I make time for that because mm-hmm. I think it's important because I always say like if you don't take care of your mental health and your well-being and all that you're not good at work if you're too stressed out and too tired you're not gonna like if I was tired coming here I, this wouldn't be a good interview which would who knows who's gonna see this you know yeah, what I mean yeah. like if one kid sees this and has been inspired and I wasn't on my end game then you know that's not good and so I take the time to whether it be hot yoga to meditate, to surround myself with things that are going to make me sane so that I can be better for others, that's my priority right now. And I don't think I've done that before in the past. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because sometimes in this world, you work yourself to a grind where you're just like, it's great and you're doing all these things, but you're so tired and you get angry and you're, you know, and I was definitely getting there probably like four years ago and I got really sick and that really opened my eyes that like I was in the hospital. I had all these, have all these blood transfusions. And after that, I learned the power of no. Mm-hmm. And like at first people may call you a diva cause you're not there or whatever. But I think my bosses get it now. Like I need to go home and go to hot. Like I will choose doing hot yoga over a paid event any day. Um, not that I turn down all that, but if that's what I feel like I need in my soul, I will do that. And it, it's never been a, a mistake because whenever I put myself first, as far as that, everything else just comes to you. Definitely. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. That's okay. a nice, that's a nice turn to make. Cause I've, I've done the same too. Yeah. I'm like, I, it's when you start, like you flip the switch and you start thinking about it. If I don't invest that time, like, cause I do yoga too. Yeah. And I love it. I love um, yoga. <laughs> yoga, working out, taking your care of your body. I'm like, this is my vehicle. Yeah. And if, and if my vehicle is not running right. So I had to like switch it. Cause I'm like, that used to be the absolute last priority. I know. You know? And then I realized like, well, I'm out of gas. Yeah. I can't go anywhere now. So like it's, it's, it's prioritizing it up and never becoming selfish about it. Yes. But I was like, man, I have so much stuff I still want to do yeah. and I'm currently doing. I look, I'm like, I have to take that time. Even if it is, cause you, I'm sure you being in your position now too, you have so many more opportunities coming your way yes. too. So it's like the chance, the chances to say yes are probably 
even more yeah. tempting than saying no. Yeah. So it makes it even more difficult. He's like, oh, that's such a great opportunity, but then I won't get to do yoga. Yeah. I won't do that. Then I'll be sick again. And yeah. All that. And sometimes the universe, I really feel like I was placed in the hospital to make that realization. Like, what good am I doing in a damn hospital? Like, okay, mm-hmm. I worked my ass off for the last 10 years or whatever it is, but I'm in a hospital now. I'm not no good. I'm not good for anyone yeah, right yeah. now, for myself, for the listeners, for my family, for anybody. And that's when I really just like put myself, I put myself first all the time and people don't get it. Cause they're like, how are you turning down this TV job for like this? I'm like, cause it, it's not my, I, I am not, I'm not motivated by money. Like, and, but yeah, it's funny. The second you're not motivated by money, money comes like it's, it's crazy, you know? And I'm not, I, I give back so much. And every time I've like given something back donation wise, like I learned this a long time ago, I don't even worry about it because somehow it comes back to you tenfold and I don't do it for the back, but I just don't, I, I trust my intuition so much and I trust everything I believe in so much that I know I'm making the right decision and I don't worry about the rest. Um, um, as long as I'm putting myself and my health and the people around me first. Is the is the empowerment the the girls you think is that a time consuming like big project or how involved, it, it, it how is involved? a big project. Yeah. Um, but I have two girls, Noelle and Sylvia, uh, who work and they are I always see the masterminds behind it. Like I'm, I kind of you know come in when I need to, um, when we need the big sponsors come into sure, those yeah. kind of meetings and and make the final decisions. But for the rest part, I like, if you choose a good team around you, it makes your job easier Mm -hmm. and they are great at what they do. And I trust them for almost everything. And so I will say that they put, all of us put our heart and soul, but they're doing the day to day work. And that's, that was planned or else like I knew I couldn't do this. Like I didn't have the time to do this. Um, but they're great at what they do. So I trust them. And then, but it is a lot of work still, even by them doing everything. I mean, I'm sure they tell you something different. They're, they're, they're in grind mode right now. Oh yeah. People overlook. I mean, we have a, a nonprofit part of our company too. And people overlook, we almost <clears throat> every year are have to like recap on the previous year of how much time, because we then, as we, do more events and, and align with more nonprofits in town because our, our thing is specific to San Diego local nonprofits. Yeah. And the same thing happens. Like it's a great problem to have, but then we have more people who want to like partner and, yeah. and, and get in the event space. And like this last year in 2018, we did so much that at, at December of last year, we had to sit down and be like, okay, is it still, because f- our, our director, Aaron in our office, it's like, is it still feeding your soul? Yes. And, and, and it wasn't like it had the years prior and we're now in year four. Um, so we had to kind of, it's, it's a hard decision to make, but we had to kind of pick and choose mm-hmm. so she could dial it back and it still be something that she's like totally excited because it's not being done for money. Yeah. It's all being done for our drive. And we had to like this year now scale back and be like, okay, on, on these certain ones, mm-hmm. we're going to be a little bit more in the passive, uh, passenger seat. But on these couple, those are our staple ones that we're still like diehard passionate about. We are going to fully drive that in. Um, but it wasn't easy to like to separate those lines on yeah. which ones are. And I'm sure the same way you get like work opportunities, I'm sure you get just like ambushed with charitable, yeah, yeah. charitable, yeah. Op- just to attach your name to it and yeah. be involved with it and all that. So like, that's a hard no, I'm sure. Yeah. Like a yeah, really hard you, no. And you're right. You pick and choose and you really need to, from time to time, reevaluate like what is feeding your soul in that moment. And, and it's, it's okay if something that fed your soul three years ago doesn't feed your soul now. It's okay to hand the torch to somebody else. I always say that. And I try to evaluate with like reevaluate with my team and like, yo, if you're unhappy or if this is too much for you, let me know. I'm not mad at you. Like, mm-hmm. I want you to be happy. I want you, you've done great the last three years. I'll get somebody else who's like 
wants, you know what I mean? Sure, like, and yeah, so yeah. I, I make sure we do that with everybody in our team from the girls empowerment conference to my show. Um, we try to make sure that we're, everybody's happy and good and it's a grind. And if you're not happy, the worst thing is I've seen people on radio, like get to the point where like they were so happy and hungry at the beginning. And by the end, they're just so drained. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone should be get to that point. And, but it's, it, it's up to you to realize when that's changing and do something about it at that totally. moment. Too many people wait too long and then they just become bitter, unhappy. And it's just like, Okay, where the fuck am I right now? You know what I mean? Totally. That, that kind of leads to uh, what I wanted to ask you. I mean, you've been in San Diego for quite some time now, and you've been in radio for a, a long time now. Yeah. Uh, have you accomplished everything you've wanted to accomplish in the radio field? Um, you know, I'm not one. Okay, and people think I'm crazy for this, and I've always said this. Like, people are like, oh, what are your future goals, whatever. Like, I know, like, some of the things, but I, I'm a big on, like, the universe will bring you what's, your, what's supposed to come. So I know I want to write a book. I know I want to write music that is going to be played on the radio, and I know I will do that one day. But as far as radio um, goes, I kind of just take it as it comes. And I know that if I'm working hard and I'm being a good person and I'm not doing anything shady and I'm honest, that the right opportunities will come to me. Um, so I don't know the answer to that. Like maybe there'll be something bigger, yeah. better. Well, maybe I was I was wondering, you know, if, if you're still like, you know, as in love with it now as you, you know, have ever been, or are you ready to transition to something more? Because from from my perspective and where I see you out there in the world, I, I can I can see that natural progression towards you know TV or even more. Yeah. From there, you know, you you're basically you know a multimedia star now. You yeah. can literally go all Thank over you. the place. <laughs> uh, the big so, screen, the big yeah, screen. Yeah, you, out there. You, you, you pretty much have a lot of options. I'm sure you don't have to discuss them all, but I'm pretty sure you have options. So I mean, is is there a transition that you're you know ready to make? Or? Yeah, I've turned down a lot of TV opportunities, mm-hmm. um, full time TV, um, because. I love radio. I love the authenticity of it. I love that we get to just speak our minds to an extent. You know, TV is a little bit more calculated. Um, so would I, I always say this, would I ever leave radio for TV? Never. Would I do both if it worked out and I wasn't like stressing me out? Yeah. Like, you know, I would. Is that, is that a possibility? Uh, yeah, a little bit. It's been hard because a lot of TV stuff I was in LA and then sometimes like, you know, I've had opportunities to go up and, but a lot of those TV shows, like they'll sign you. You don't even know if they're going to last past the season. Mm-hmm. And people um, also underestimate radio. Like radio, our career can go for a long time, yeah. especially in a city that's like San Diego that's like that's embraced me. So it would take a lot for me to leave. Um, it would have to be somewhere in my point that I fail or if I could do both kind of with the beauty of radio and you see we can do the show from wherever yeah I like to stay local because I feel like San Diego's like just embraced me so much so I don't know I mean never say never um but tv is never I always say like man those girls I only do tv once a week right now but you have to wake up early put hair makeup (laughs) you gotta be on a diet all the time they can't eat they can't drink like I enjoy life okay (laughs) Yep. So to make and I and I know it's changing, but you know, and that's kind of a joke. But it kind of like I just it would have to be the right thing. I would mm-hmm. have to feel like this is my next step. And right Got now, it. I'm okay Got with it. that. We'll see though. I, I'm also a more behind the scenes, which I think will come out in the book and will come out in my songwriting. Um, being in front of the camera, like I'm comfortable because I've got used to it. But I wouldn't say it's like my passion you know right. it, it's it, like I, I i would be filming us and telling you guys hey look there, look there you know like that kind of work so i have a big question because yes. i just saw it and it happened i believe this year 
the Gina, the Latina day. Yes, <laughs> that's funny. Talk to me about that because that's pretty epic. Yeah, it is epic. Uh, you know, they contacted me last year. I remember I was in Hawaii about this time and said, hey, the city of San Diego wants to give you your own day. And I was like, I started laughing. I'm like, what do you mean my own day? They're like, <laughs> like Gina, the Latina day will be officially proclaimed in San Diego. And I started crying because I, I was like, really? Like, because it, it's almost like I'm laughing because it's funny, but then it's like, <laughs> wow, that's pretty cool, you know? And and so I just said, okay. And when it really hit me is when I was at city council and all the city council members are up there and they're swearing you in and it's really, really official. And I just, and they're reading all your accomplishments and I think you don't really realize them until people read them or say them or whatever. And I was just like, I just started crying because I was like, wow, this is really cool. I don't know what it means, but it's really cool. I got a cool plaque. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's the day? What's the day? Uh, April 17th. Oh, so, that's so it's coming cool. What does that entail? I mean, do you get like discounts everywhere? You get like. So, <laughs> so, well, let me tell you. So on the radio, of course, we have to make everything into a joke, right? Because if right. you've listened to our show, by the way, Kramer and Gina, Channel 933, um, <laughs> uh, we started, we we like, and everybody in San Diego, the, like the I love San Diegans. Like they're so awesome. So they're like, hey, we wanted to make it so on Gina Latina Day, everyone gets discounts. So we had a running list last year. We we haven't decided what we're doing this year, but last year, a running list of, or of, of companies in San Diego that were giving discounts on Gina Latina Day for anyone who went in and said, hey, I'm here for Gina Latina Day and they got a free coffee or a free whatever. So last year we did that. But as far as we know, I don't know what we're going to do this year. There's really nothing. I mean, I have a cool plaque. I don't know. Yeah. Like it's, that's it. <laughs> so we need to send over our wish list. Yeah, what's your wish list? All that we want to happen is yeah. we because we're for sure going out there and saying yeah. we're here for Gina the Latina Day. Yeah, right? yeah. We're bringing yeah. the whole team. The whole vlog is going to be based on that day. Yeah. We're going to see how many discounts we could get in one day. Yeah, we did it last year. We haven't figured out this year yet. Do you know anybody else has a day? Uh, I don't. I know my friend Frankie J has one, the singer. Oh, he has uh, one. He's from here in San Diego. I know he has one. And I, th it was funny because I pointed out that I think I got it before In and Out had her own day. I was like pretty proud of that. I was like, I got my own day. <laughs> had it. I mean, that's pretty cool. In and Out had didn't get a day. They got their own day after me. I don't. I'm not sure why. I mean, I don't think. I think it's just. I don't know. But huh. other than that, I don't. I'm sure other people do. I just don't know who. Oh, that's rad. Yeah. So I think we're kind of winding down, but I wanted to ask one last question. Yes. Um, for anybody out there watching, male or female, or whatever per part of their career they're in, if they're in, or actually when they're in the weeds, mm -hmm. and you could give one piece of advice mm -hmm. to kind of see the road further down, what would that advice be? Stay true to yourself. Do what makes you happy. Work hard um, and keep moving forward, really, and your path will be laid out how it's supposed to be. Um, but don't be unhappy. Like life's too short to be unhappy. And, sure. and if you ever feel stressed out and stuff like that, like just check yourself, reevaluate, take time off, do whatever. It doesn't mean you need to quit. Mm -hmm. Don't make also per <laughs> permanent decisions on emotional uh, reactions. Sure. You know what I mean? So if you're ever feeling like you're like, this is never going to go anywhere or whatever, go take a break. I, you know, I tell one of the girls that works for me, Jess, I know she's going to be a superstar, but it's the grind at the beginning that they don't see, you know, and I feel like, you know, she gets stressed out, worn out. And I tell her, you need a day off, take a day off mm -hmm. and go back and, and, and just make sure you're always what, when you're working hard, you always got to realize, why am I doing this? Am I doing it for the money? Am I doing it for the clout? Am I doing it for whatever? If you're doing something with the purest intention of your heart and you're doing it because you enjoy it. It will always work out for you, I promise. Mm -hmm, but you got to put the grind in and you got to not give up. 
And it. don't let anyone tell you you can't do anything. <laughs> like, do not. I hate when people say like, oh, you can't do that. Like, I did it with... I learned how to edit. I learned how to use a mic. I, didn't, I walked in my first day without headphones. Like I didn't even know anything, right? You know, you can teach yourself anything if, as long as you're willing to put in the work to learn. Definitely. Yeah. So where can they, where's the easiest place to find you? Any upcoming stuff other, I know we mentioned the, the conference or the empowerment conference in yeah. April. Yes. Any other places they can go to find, follow, Okay. fan out. Okay. So at Gina, the Latina on Instagram, G E E N A, the Latina. I did have a website, but it's down right now and I need someone to fix it. If you guys know anyone. We can help you. Yeah. Gina, <laughs> I need someone. We can help you. <laughs> My friend broke it. That's another story. Um, um, but Instagram, of course, you can listen to me on Kramer and Gina on channel 933, 93.3, 6 to 10 a.m. Um, I'm also on Fox 5 San Diego Fridays around 940. And book and music coming soon. And that's it, I guess. Love it. Is that good? Thanks that's for coming, good. Gina. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thank you. Cool. Appreciate it.